girls in a fruit fight. Well, there goes the Daverhood. Welcome, everyone, to the 332nd episode of Dave's Gone By, which aired on November 6th, 2010, on UNC Radio, the radio station of the University of Northern Colorado. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, the host of the show, and um, while we were doing these shows during this fall time period, the station was having some technical difficulties, especially when it came to archiving and recording the programs we were doing, which is quite frustrating when you're listening back and all you're getting is the music or parts of shows, and I'm afraid that affected this particular episode quite a bit. So I'm taping this a couple of year, uh, a couple of weeks after the program actually aired on UNC Radio. So what you'll hear on this episode of Dave's Gone By, number 332, is what still came out, which is most of the music that we played, and also, thank goodness, the chat with our special guest, a fellow named Max McLean. He is the co-adapter and star of an off-Broadway show called The Screw Tape Letters. It's also a two-person show that has been playing all over the country and will continue to, I'm sure, for the year ahead. So that whole segment, that interview, came out just fine, and we'll be listening to that, and also a bunch of music, some Bob Dylan stuff, and uh, let's see, what else did we... uh, we do on that episode. Well, you'll, you'll just have to hear it. But all the talking stuff, which may not be your favorite part anyway, uh, all my little monologues and things, those are kind of gone. So I apologize for that. But at least we get the interview and some other parts of this episode of Dave's Gone By, which, like all the other episodes, is brought to you by Performing Arts Insider, the Bible of Broadway. Since 1944, Performing Arts Insider has brought you everything you need to know about what goes on on the stages of New York, Broadway, off and off, off Broadway, plus cabaret, opera, dance, special events, awards, anything you really want to know, uh, like who's going to be coming to a big Broadway show in the next year or so, or how do you contact a particular playwright or actor. That information is in Performing Arts Insider, so visit performingartsinsider.com to find out how you can get a subscription. Also, Please frequent Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway, owned and operated by the Torong family since the mid-1970s for all your copying, your printing, your binding logos, uh, putting your company name and logo on a pen or a calendar. This is what they do. They do it well and at a reasonable price. And... If you tell them Dave sent you from Dave's Gone By, you get 10% off any order, big or small. So check them out, Hewlett Minuteman Press in Hewlett, Long Island, opposite the Lomans. Their number is 516-569-5577. Area code 516-569-5577 for Hewlett Minuteman Press. They are the kings. So let us get on with what we still have extant from the episode To The Max, which aired November 6th, 2010. Thanks for tuning in to The Daverhood. You get to be! You get to be! With me! And also to be the monster tonight. 
go on ahead, honey. You have a good time there. You make me feel funny. I'm no ordinary lover or friend. I believe we have things to do. I believe in myself and I believe in you. I believe when I sleep, you are near to me. When you sleep, I am near to you. You walk out of the room with your hands so deep in your pockets, I don't recognize you. You say you're a ghost in our house, and I realize I do think I see through you. So you go on ahead, honey. You have a good time there. You make me feel funny. I'm no ordinary lover or friend. It's a death in our love that has brought us here. It's a birth that has changed our lives. It's a place that I hope will be leaving soon, and I fear for the year in his eyes. And it goes round in circles. One night is lovely, the next is brutal. I'll make it back when the summer has warmed me a while. You go on ahead, honey. You have a good time there. You make me feel funny. I'm no ordinary lover or friend. I believe we have things to do. I believe in myself, and I believe in you. I believe when I sleep, you are near to me. When you sleep, I am near to you. Lesson in survival. Spinning out on turns that gets you tough. Guru books, the Bible, only a reminder that you're just not good enough. You need to believe in something once I could enough our love. Black or double yellow line. Friends and kin, campers in the kitchen. That's fine sometimes, but I know my needs. My sweet tumbleweed, I need more quiet times. By your river flowing, you and me, deep kisses and the sun going down. Maybe it's paranoia. 
Maybe it's sensitivity. Your friends protect you, scrutinize me. I get so damn timid. Not at all the spirit that's inside of me. Oh, baby, I can't seem to make it with you socially. There's this reef around me. I'm looking way out at the ocean. Love to see that green water in motion. I'm gonna get a boat and we can row it if you ever get the notion to be needed by me. Fresh salmon frying in the tide rolling in. To see a friend tonight was very late when I walked in. My talking as it rambled revealed suspicious reasoning. The visit seemed to darken him. I came in as bright as a neon light, and I burned out right there before him. I told him these things I'm telling you now. Watch them buckle up, be. With the little things you 
through the window at a silhouette Trying to find something I can't find Imagination is my best friend Gotta look out for the greedy hand, greedy hand Make a living like a rolling stone On the road there's no place like home Silhouettes
trailed by twenty pounds. Didn't get to sleep that night till the morning came around. Set out one, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. Ran into the devil, baby, only twenty bills. Spent the night in Utah in a cave up in the hills. Set out running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. I ran down to the levee, but the devil caught me there. Took my twenty dollar bill and it vanished in the air. I'm running, but take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. Got two reasons why I cry away each lonely night. The first one's named Sweet Amberine, and she's my heart's delight. Second one is prison bait, and the sheriff's on my trail. And if he catches up with me, I'll spend my life in jail. Got a wife in Chino, baby, and one in Cherokee. First one says she got my child, but it don't look like me. Set out run, but I'll take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight.
down Piccadilly Dripping at the dash Arresting Sticky Willie Clubbing them with their cars They just might not have noticed They've been beating him so hard And the devil's been busy in your backyard Is that you? Uh, David, I'm sorry I got cut off, uh, but I called you on my cell. We can stay on this if you want, or you can call me back either one. No, this is great. In fact, we're on the air right now. Um, I didn't realize oh, I lost you, but <laughs> here we go. <laughs> People heard the, the phone ringing on the mic, so let's oh, just make okay. sure we've got you loud enough. Anyway, uh, congratulations, first of all, on the uh, success of the screw tape letters, which I, I guess the fact that it's commercial viability may have been a surprise to you? It, it certainly was in the beginning, but that's because I may have underestimated the, uh, the popularity of C.S. Lewis, uh, certainly with Narnia. Uh, but uh, I think Screwtape after Narnia may be his most influential work. And given that, the fact that we were true to the book and uh, really wanted to lift it up off the page and give it a, a thoroughgoing theatrical treatment, um, uh, I think people responded. Can I ask, uh, I kind of gave a synopsis of the play earlier in, in the previous half hour, but it's a pretty simple thing to synopsize. So why don't you tell us what the screw tape Letters is about? Well, the genius of the screw tape Letters is that Lewis... Uh, had in mind that he wanted to speak in the devil's voice. He wanted to get inside uh, the skin of the devil after studying medieval literature, studying the Bible, studying theology. He had an understanding of what the devil was, uh, uh, what his objective and his goals were. And and he had the audacity, I think, to... to uh, speak in that voice, and that's the genius of the screw tape Letters, because you and I witness human activity, human behavior, uh, from a human point of view all the time, mm-hmm. but we don't, uh, the, 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 the uniqueness of the book is that you are looking at human activity from a demon's perspective, and a very, very smart demon. Oh, I was going to say, uh, we, we had that with eight years of George Bush, but <laughs> until you got to the very, very smart part, but yeah. Sorry to interrupt. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that that's, that's what makes, uh, I think that's what makes uh, this so engaging to an audience. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, I guess that's what attracted you. What made you think it was a commer- not a commercial viable, but but viable as a stage piece. I mean, not only is it a book, it's an epistolary book. It's all in letters form. Like, actually, Liaison Dangerous is like that. Exactly. In fact, I I watched that as part of my uh, preparation for uh, Screwtape, as well as uh, uh, rewatching. 
has uh, he has an apprentice, Wormwood. Uh, Scootape is a very high-level demon, very successful. And Wormwood is a neophyte demon just starting out. He just graduated from the Tempter's Training College. Uh, and uh, he was assigned a Temptorship on Earth. And his first uh, assignment is called in the book The Patient. Mm-hmm. And the patient, you know, that's an interesting term because when you and I use the term patient, we think of somebody going to the hospital in need of healing. Uh, in uh, in Screwtape's vernacular, a patient is someone in need of corrupting, in need of, of uh, being damned. And so the whole uh, the whole plot of the play is is how to use the simple things of life life to corrupt this person and bring him to hell as food for for demons because in the uh, uh, in the food chain of of, uh, of the demon world human souls are are part of the food chain and provide nourishment for demons so that's the objective is a hunt for a soul but what makes it uh, what makes it engaging is the extraordinary language extraordinary insight that uh, Lewis has given Scrutate well, that and, I mean, don't discount the fact that it has this narrative arc that we're wondering, will he win or will he lose? I mean, I, that really pulls us through. This is, it's a relatively short show. I think it's about 75 minutes, if I recall. Yes, so, yes so that, 75, yeah, that's right, that's right. And you're right, and, I, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because that does not come through when you read the novel. Hmm. But it, because when you read the novel, or at least... It, it is there, but it's it's hidden. And of course, what theater does, theater's looking for an arc. It's looking for, you know, what's at stake here, and why should I care? Right. Exactly. And and, uh, and that's uh, and that's the arc of the play because it, 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 the journey that Screwtape takes, which we follow as an audience, is you know he's he's on the top of his game. Here's another patient. This guy's easy peasy. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring out, you know, basically elementary uh, temptation techniques and, uh, you know, we'll be done by noon. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm uh, laughing, but that's a very funny way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but then the, but what tends to happen is, uh, you know, the enemy becomes a serious Christian and now screw tapes, uh, sorry, the patient becomes a serious Christian. Right. And that brings into play Screwtape's enemy, which, of course, in the play is God. Right. And and uh, and so then then there becomes a little bit of a dualistic fight over uh, over the uh, the the future of this patient's soul. Right. Can I ask? Um, that, to, yeah, because people should also know uh, that this isn't quite just a a non-ordinary role for you. You have done a lot of kind of theological, biblical-based stuff. You are, are would you consider yourself a born-again Christian or a Christian? What's your denomination, as it were? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember somebody asked uh, a friend of mine uh, that question, and it's probably going to take us in a different direction, but we don't have to go there. But but it's uh, he said, uh, you know, are you a born again? He was asked, are you a born again Christian? And he and his response was, is that well, that's like asking, are you a tooth dentist? Uh, oh, well. <laughs> because hmm. by, by definition, uh, in terms of of uh, of what it means. 
major influence in in that. And what I love about Lewis is, with regard to this subject was Lewis, uh, you know, he he came to Christianity with great difficulty. He came from atheism, and he genuinely knew, genuinely in his writing, knew what it was like not to believe. And and he could, you know, he could never see himself in a position of someone who who who's untroubled by doubts uh, and just simply hands out the faith. And so that's why a lot of you know variant uh, you know people that have uh, you know fought through it that sort of are half convinced, as it were, uh, really gravitate to to Lewis because when when you see him and and if you're not of the faith, you still get. You know, you still say, "Wow, the guy, really, you know, really has insight into theology, insight into philosophy, insight into psychology, and you know, he has something to say to me, whether or not I agree with his worldview." Well, really well put. Um, I mean, it's interesting that you mention uh, C.S. Lewis's climb towards faith, if that's what you want to call it, or his, because th- that does mirror a little bit, at least from what I read, your experience in, in your teens. You are not. I don't think raised particularly religiously, and then you kind no, of. No, I was I yeah. was a I was a mid twenties convert. Mid twenties, uh, yeah, yeah, mid twenties convert, and uh, and I read uh, I read the New Testament, really moved by it. Uh, I, I and then uh, uh, and then someone gave me Lewis's autobiography called Surprised by Joy, which I have to admit. I didn't understand a word of it. It was way over my head. Uh, But the second book they gave me, this was in my mid-twenties, was um, Sweet Tape Letters. And and as soon as I started reading it, and it's not an easy read, but it it, 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 it certainly got got my attention, I said, oh my goodness, I know this guy. (laughs) Let me ask you a question about that, because at least from what I glommed, from your production and your, your adaptation of the screw tape letters is that it is more about doing unto others and experiencing real love and and being kind to your fellow man and caring more about your fellow man than yourself, which is a humanistic approach to life rather than directly involved in Jesus and the Gospels and Christianity. I'm wondering why you chose very specific religious uh, text and dogma to follow, rather than the the humanistic angle. Well, I, I guess that's a kind of a chicken and egg argument, isn't it? Uh, you know, do uh, do we have the religious impulse that leads us to humility, kindness, and goodness, or is it a human construct that says, "Hey, if we're going to get along in this life, you know, we got to be, uh, we got to, you know, cooperate." A little bit, hmm. and and I've come to the conclusion that it's the former rather than the latter because, and again, we're getting into a theological or philosophical debate. Uh, you know, I love uh, uh, Theodore Dostoevsky said, you know, if uh, if uh, if God does not exist, then uh, everything is permissible, hmm. and. And that essentially means that, you know, that the person in power makes the rules. And there's no judge higher than him. And this was, of course, Immanuel Kant's uh, uh, position that the moral argument that, you know, we can't, we can't philosophically prove the existence. 
righteousness of God, but but morality does break down without it because we don't, you know, we're, we have we're saying we're not accountable. We can do whatever we want, and uh, because there's no accountability uh, for our life. So, uh, but anyway, so but given given your question, yeah, that's why. Uh, I was attracted to Lewis because Lewis came from a religious perspective. He felt that that the uh, the uh, the ability to love and the ability to treat others well uh, is kind of a means of grace, and uh, and it gets it, it is something that we we have to exercise. We have to be absolutely conscious of. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, not, uh, uh, atheists or non-theists uh, don't practice this, uh, but I am suggesting that I'm not sure if there is a total, and this, of course, has been argued in college campuses all over the country, hmm. uh, if there is a, a rational reason for doing so other than self-interest. Yeah. And when and then when you when when you land at self interest, then at, at some point in time, it's in my self interest to lie. It's in my self interest to treat David Lefkowitz like a bastard uh, <laughs> for whatever that. reason. But it's not today, of course. <laughs> uh, but but in, but in, uh, but from a from a theological perspective, I'm not. I'm, I may treat you like a bastard. But okay. if I do, I'm accountable for treating you like a bastard. I've got to answer for it. To something, someone higher up. Do you yes. believe, person, or, or do you think, I guess we can throw this to both C.S. Lewis and you. Do uh -huh. you believe in a literal, I guess, devil and literal angels, or is that all metaphorical? And yes, we believe uh, that's in God. A great, that's yeah. a great question. That's a really good question. You know, we think what's that great word, anthropomorphically. You know, we think mm -hmm. in, in visuals. So, therefore, uh, we tend to, when we, wanna, when we want to explain something, we have to give it a visual representation. Right. So, so, I, so I think that that's kind of what happens. And, of course, some people, you know, take it far, far too literally. Uh, I, I think there is, uh, I, I do believe that there is a kind of a dualism, that there are there is forces of good and forces of evil, and of course that's what uh, that's the center of screw tape. You know, is uh, you know, you, are you going to listen to the good guy or are you going to listen to the bad guy? Right. Uh, you know, and and the very first scene I love the way Lewis does it. He does it in very simple metaphors, like the guy in the British Museum, very first scene after the toast where he's obviously reading something that's got his interest at a very, very deep level. And it's obviously religious. And and it's and and Screwtape has said, you know, I was seeing twenty years work about to topple. And so but just, I didn't yeah. but I but yeah. I was no fool because I struck instantly at the part of the man that I had best under my control and I suggested that it was isn't it just about time for lunch? And the idea was to get him into the, the immediate sensual experience so he doesn't think about God right. and think about universal issues, but he's living his life under the immediate sense experiences of feel, touch, taste, 
I know I and, and, and then he went, and so am I, by the way. Right. But, it, but, it's this, <laughs> but it's something that, you know, at some point in time, we have, we, we have to set aside. Now, we're, we're talking and, and, with, yeah. Sorry, we're, we're talking with Max McLean. He is the co-adapter and star of the Screw Tape Letters Off-Broadway. He happens to be this weekend. Uh, are you doing that show in North Carolina or something else? Yes. Oh, so no, you're doing Screw Tape there. Uh, but yeah. it's an open run in New York, isn't it? Am I right? Uh, y- yes. Yeah, what what we do is we have a series of run-outs. Uh, you know, we have two teams, two productions. We have a touring production, uh, and we have a New York production. And my understudy is on in New York. He's very good, Stephen Hawk. Uh, and, and, uh, and I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Raleigh Memorial Auditorium for a show at 4 o'clock Eastern Time today and at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And then I'll go back, I'll fly back tomorrow, and I'll do the 7 o'clock uh, Sunday show in New York. But as I said, you will, I mean, this will certainly go through Christmas and, and well into the new year if people want to catch screw tape letters at the, it's at the West Side Theater off Broadway, am I right? Yes, yes. Yeah, West Side Theater on 43rd and 9th, and, and we'll be there uh, through the end of the year, uh, uh, probably first week, second week of January, then we'll make some decisions if we want to go past that. Now, also, people can listen to that very great voice of yours in other circumstances. You are the narrator of something called The Listener's Bible. Is this a radio show, yes. or, or is that a, an audio Well, it's, it's, a, it's, an audio, it's an audio recording of the Bible. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And that's, there's also something that you do regularly, isn't it? Um, like, um, where you update it week by week, um, I almost like an audio blog of some sort about biblical matters? Am I wrong on this? No, no, I, I don't think that. Uh, I think what, what you might be referring to is uh, a lot of radio, over six or seven hundred radio stations, mostly religious stations, have, uh, we, they, they've taken up, you know, the Bible that I've recorded and they've broken it up into like three minute pieces and they do like a little segment of it and so that's been airing around the country for about 15 or 20 years and i'm just very grateful that that stations do that now have you acted in secular stuff because the stuff that i have mostly for you is you did mark's gospel in chicago you won a jeff award actually for for doing that but i'm wondering have you done secular pieces over the past 10 15 years and have you turned down stuff because uh, yeah sorry please yeah, no, uh, in the last 10 or 15 years, you know, it, it, I have really focused on this vision of presenting theater from a Christian worldview that engages a diverse audience. And, and what, what I mean by that is I want to pick material that is uh, engaging in itself, you know, that, that has a story to tell, it's told well, it uses language well, and, and then bring to bear the elements of stagecraft that uh, allows it to, as it were, compete in the marketplace of ideas. Because you, you know, you came to New York, you saw how many shows are running, and the, you know the the uh, the, the the entertainment uh, marketplace is is intense. And so, just to get a fair hearing, uh, you've got to have a unique message. You gotta, you, and you gotta tell it well. 
and that's what uh, that's what I've been focusing on for the past ten years. And you've been able happily to carve out a living and a career doing that, which is kind of I assume. I mean, or I, I, you don't have I a day job. Yeah, that's a joy. That's an absolute joy doing. It really is. I mean, I feel uh, I feel blessed. That's a strong word. Somebody mm-hmm. used that word the other day, and I said, you know, that's a very strong word, and he said it is. I feel very blessed. And are you, I, I wasn't able to find uh, this information. Are you married, kids? Um, I have, yes, I've, I've been married. Uh, I have one wife, two kids, <laughs> one grandbaby. Well, well you're, you're keeping the one wife that you have. Yes, one wife. Yes, yep. I'm. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite a polygamist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a different religion altogether. Yeah. Yeah, that we'll have to have another discussion on that. But I, I, uh, yeah, it, it, just so you know, when we have this discussion and you do your re- research on it, I'm against it. You're against polygamy. Oh, okay. Just, just. Uh, I was wondering if you were against divorce. Yeah, just. A, yeah, yeah, no. It's just. Uh, that was a joke. Oh, I get. I'm sorry. I was already looking towards the next question and not, I was not properly listening. The devil was in my other ear. Because uh, my, my other question that people might not know about you, but I did get this from my research, uh, you were born in Panama. And I'm wondering if you remember anything, because you were moved when you were four years old. But do you remember anything about what Panama? I, I, I have very vague recollections, uh, 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 but I, what I do recall... Uh, was uh, was is I'm not sure um, was the seeing we came by boat when I was four years old from Cologne Panama that was uh, that's the uh, port on the Atlantic on the Caribbean side and uh, it was a nine day boat ride my mom tells me and I remember a very foggy September day uh, um going into New York Harbor, seeing the Statue of Liberty, seeing the big buildings of New York as a child. And that was like, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> so you really have that sense, even though you were four years old, you really have that yeah, no, I, yeah. yeah, that that was pretty, uh, that might be the, that was a very vivid memory. Yeah, that, oh, okay. that kind of what's this memory. Huh. And a, a quick question. Um, if you were born in Panama, did you have to get... Are, are you an American citizen, or are you automatically, because Panama's kind of that... I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I was naturalized. I was naturalized when I was eight years old. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So so we have been talking with Max McLean, Panamanian-born, but pure American, and, mm-hmm. and very proud Christian person who is doing the screw tape letters off-Broadway at the West Side Theater on West... 43rd Street, and uh, any, any other thoughts that you want to leave us with? Any any kind of religious or secular or any kind of thought that doing the kind of theater that you do would would make you want to tell us? Well, I think what I'm really pleased about is someone like yourself, David, uh, you know, flies to New York, uh, looks at uh, the, the, the various shows that are available, and I'm sure you saw more than one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you chose ours, and thought it uh, compelling enough to uh, call our publicist and say, uh, "Any chance I can interview Max McLean?" And I think I'm I'm really happy you did that. Thank you. Well, so am I. It's it's been absolutely delightful. 
I think this is the first time in the whole history of the show, which is now eight years old, that we're actually talking about Immanuel Kant. I've never read him, but so great to talk about him, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, Max McClain, you are certainly very angelic to be with us here in the neighborhood on Dave's Gone By. Everybody go see the Screw Tape Letters, and maybe if it doesn't um, go on past the New Year in New York, maybe that's a, a good sign for it to come around the country so people can, can see it in other places like in North Carolina this weekend. So best of luck yes. with that. And, and best of luck with all of the things that you're doing theatrically. Thank you, David. Just one last comment. Okay. Uh, we, we're, we are doing a series of runouts uh, uh, in, uh, in 2011 all over the country, and, and uh, they, you can find out about those uh, at our website, ScrewTapeOnStage.com. Thank you for reminding I totally forgot to ask about the website, ScrewTapeOnStage.com. Max McLean, thanks so much. Thank you. Something's wrong because my mind is spinning. And everywhere I look, there's a dead end waiting. Temperatures dropping at the rotten oasis. Stealing kisses from the leprous faces. Garbage mentions, mouthwash, jukebox, gasoline. Pistols are pointing at a poor man's pockets. Smiling eyes ripping out of the sockets. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. Got a devil's haircut.
my neck was safer from the lynch in Rome. Who's that yonder laughing at me? Like I was the brunt of some hilarity. Who's that yonder laughing at me? Well, jump the devil.
Coca-Cola, it's rice.
in a political world Love don't have any place We're living in times where men commit crimes And crime don't have a face We live in a political world Icicles hanging down Wedding bells ringing, angels singing Clouds cover up the ground We live in a political world Wisdom is thrown into jail It rots in a cell in the sky that is hell Leaving no one to pick up a trail
highway and walk in That ribbon of highway I saw above me That endless skyway I saw below me That golden valley This line was made For you and me This land is your land And this land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land is made You and me Footsteps to the sunny bright sands of the diamond deserts, and all around me, the voice came to sing it, sing it. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land, and this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. One morning, I was strolling with your wheat fields waving and your dust clouds rolling. As the fog was lifting, my voice comes chanting. This land is your land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Freedom Highway 
I can't buy your 
Veterans Day, Poppy. It don't get me high. It can only make me cry. It can never grow another son like the one who warned me. My days after rain and warm my breath. My life's blood screaming empty. She cries. It don't get me high. It can only make me cry. You're a veteran day, Poppy.
God, you made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, that it's no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. So what would have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? If I were a rich man, all day long I'd biddy biddy bum. If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. If I were a biddy biddy rich, idle diddle 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 man. I'd build a big tall house with rooms by the dozen Right in the middle of the town A fine tin roof with a real wooden floors below There couldn't be one long staircase just going up And one even longer coming down And one more leading nowhere just for show I'd fill my yard with chicks and turkeys and geese and ducks for the town to see and hear, squawking just as noisily as they can. And each loud will land like a trumpet on the ear, as if to say, "Here lives a wealthy man." If I were a rich man, all day long I'd biddy biddy bum. If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. If I were a biddy biddy rich, I'd a diddle 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 man. I see my wife, my Goldie, looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin, supervising meals to our heart's delight. I see her putting on airs and strutting like a peacock. Oh, what a happy mood she's in! Screaming at the servants day and night. The most important men in town will come to fall on me. They will ask me to advise them like a Solomon the wise. If you please, Reptilia, pardon me, Reptilia, posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eyes. La Won't make one bit of difference if I answer right or wrong. When you're rich, they think you really know. If I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in a synagogue and pray, and maybe have a seat by the Eastern Wall. And I discuss the holy books with the learned men seven hours every day, 
That would be the sweetest thing of all. <laughs> oh, if I were a rich man, I all day long I'd be the bum. If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. Lord, who made the lion and the lamb, you decreed I should be what I am. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? Hit this first 